up everybody welcome to the trap podcast i'm your host bill botch it is saturday november 11th at 2 30 p.m and we are here with a friend of the show our buddy jerry aka publius from twitter um and this is a guy that i've been wanting to have on the program for quite a while at this point um Jerry is one of the guys who has been around the Devils organization and been a fan for a long time, probably as long as us, uh, if not longer. And we talk on the side, and he sends me some of his thoughts and what he's thinking about the team and where the team is going and this and that. But I'll tell you what, there's really nobody – there's nobody that I'm talking to – on our little community of people that I think I am more aligned with when it comes to how I want the Devils to handle their, their franchise and how I want the personnel to be handled and the problems that I see with the team and then also the strengths that I see with the team as well. It's not all bad. Um, but it was um, – so I'm really happy to have you on the show, Jar. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, thanks, man. Thank you. Thank you. Long time coming. It has been. We've actually met up at games last year, and we we had some beers together. And what was that in the playoffs? Yes, yeah. My son was with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, good kid too. We were we were kicking it with him, and Thank he's a, he's a goaltender, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a goalie. Played for the uh, Rockets and then the Colonials. So you know he's got to be a little weird, right? Because if the goalies are are typically. Um, wacky wacky dudes in the locker room yeah yeah but you know he's pretty he's pretty even keeled um he, does, he, he doesn't real get real high or real low he's he's a he's a good kid not yeah. unlike his father <laughs> he sounded he he you know we ended up we talked and hung out for like quite a while and he seemed yeah. like just like such a uh grounded well well-rounded dude so um, yeah. you're doing a hell of a job um thank you so last night me and my son Bo. Uh, we went to the Devils game, which man, there was there were a lot of people at the game last night. Like, nice. 
there's sellouts wow. and then there's and then there's like this game was heavily attended. I don't know if it was because it was Veterans Day, maybe a bunch of people had off. I know the kids have off of school, most of the kids in New Jersey, because it's like parent um because it's teacher conference week. Um I don't know I don't know why, but there were a lot of people in the building very, very early. And I went with my son, so there was really no reason for us to be hanging out down in you know, across from American whiskey and whatnot, where I usually hang. Yeah. And, we went, and we went in there and we went to catch warm ups and we made a, we made a free Holt sign that he was. I hanging saw up. that on Twitter. Yeah. So he, he ended up, he held that up during the warm ups. We were up against the glass and he held it up and we got a little bit of a nod and he got a kick out of it. Um, Holtz, he did. Holtz, he gave us a nod. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, so that was, a, so that was exciting, but you know, I don't think that we end up making that. Um, I don't think we end up making uh, that no, sign up, if we don't see the potential scratch of Alex Holtz that he was considering. You know, Lindy was had Wilman and Holtz rotating in and out on the fourth line in in uh, the pregame. You know, their morning skate, and I'm thinking to myself. I can't believe that this is happening again. Yep. Um, and it, it it almost got to the point, and I had this conversation with my father, where I was telling him, it doesn't matter if he plays Holtz or if he sits Holtz at this point. I think it's almost the damage has has almost been done. If he's still in the mentality that. Uh, he's not playing well enough to play on this roster, uh, or, or he has to fight for his spot to play on the fourth line. I think that tells you all you need to know about what Lindy Ruff thinks of Alex Holt. And um, we've gone back and forth. Me and you have gone back and forth about this and the handling of him. Um, I'm going to let you jump in and and. Tell me what you think of, not last night, but tell me what you think of the overall where Alexander Holtz belongs on this team, the way he's been handled by this team, whether or not he deserves or does not deserve top six, top nine. It, do, it doesn't matter. It's like, this is, I'm not looking for you to agree with me. I'm not. Yeah. You know what? Like, I've been, I've been very brash and I've been very outspoken about things that I actually truly believe. And I, there's a lot of people that they're very, they're bold statements and about how I think that this team can't win a Stanley cup with Lindy Ruff and whatnot. I was like, when, when you, when you said that, when you came out with that podcast and you said that, I was like, God damn, he said it. He said the quiet part out loud. It's the truth. And I've gotten a little, I've gotten some serious pushback and I've as gotten, expected, as expected. That is a very bold statement. And I, what I try to do is I try to be open to having anyone that has opposing views come on here and talk about them. And I will I give it. you, I will give you an open platform to express your views. And to be honest, like I really wish that I thought otherwise, I wish that I thought that the team could win with Lindy Ruff because it's I do insane. think some of the players like him and he is a legend and I do give him credit for the, maturity and the progression and the way that he's groomed some of the players on the team. But at some point, I think we may have hit a wall and 
I don't know. So let's get into let's get into Holtz. Like, where where do you stand with the entire Holtz situation dating back to let's you know even two years ago to where we are right now? Tell me if you had to tell the storyline of Alex Holtz to your son yeah. from the time that we drafted him to where we are right now. How would it go for you? So during that draft. I, I really liked Lucas Raymond. Um, I really liked Alexander Holtz. But for our needs, I thought we could have used Holtz more. I thought Raymond was a better player. If he was available, I probably would have taken Raymond over Holtz. But they were very close, very close. So I really was pounding the table for Holtz. I I thought Raymond would get picked before we were available to pick anyway. So we ended up with Holtz. I was super pumped. Um, he didn't look to me quite ready that year. Um, you know, his, um, off puck play was a little lacking, but not terrible. Um, so I was fine with him being, being sent down. Right. Um, comes back the following season first, you know, played, played pretty well in the preseason. I can't remember exactly what his stats were, but he had that uh, goal against the flyers in his first game. Right. And then I think he may even have been benched that game. I I can't even remember. Um, And again, we ended up sending him down to to Utica, um, which I was actually okay with. It was I wasn't really upset about it. Right. You know, there were some aspects. It's clear that the kid can play. Even even that that game against the Flyers, I think, you know, he subsequently played a few more games after that. He makes some plays that very few people on our team can make. He, he, he's got vision that you can't teach. And, and actually, you saw it. Not 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 just vision, but vision and skill. So you saw it last night. That puck was rimming around the boards on the power play in the third period. And he picks that puck up, picks that puck off, skating with it against the boards. He picks it off on his backhand and dishes it out to Dougie in the slot. D- Dougie missed the shot wide, which, you know, very rare for him. But that was a beautiful play by Holtz. It was. Okay. Very few players on our team could corral that puck, rimming around the board like that on their backhand, and get a pass I mean, tape to tape right on Dougie's stick. And Dougie just, you know, shanked it a little bit, whatever. Um, the other one, you know, same, same, actually same power play last night. Um, we couldn't get the puck in the zone, right? They pass it, somebody, I can't remember who, passed it to Holtz. He was maybe 10 feet in front of the blue line. He makes a little deke, gets it into the zone, and and sauces this backhand pass from a from across our offensive zone and hits Toffoli right on the tape, right in stride, right on the tape. And, and Toffoli has a shot and, you know, we didn't score, but in any event, that I got was a full. Back, it was back, I know it was backhand saw across the entire ice on Toffoli's tape, tape to tape in stride. Like people don't realize how hard that is to do, let alone at the NHL level at the speed they're playing at. So, Back to where we were going, his vision and and the skills that he makes, the, the plays that he makes. Um, I was fine with him being – I was even fine with him being sent down last year. I was a little annoyed because I thought he was getting dicked around a little bit. 
but I was fine with it. So, right, he gets called up this year. So now we're in the preseason. And I told you through DM that, I don't know if I directly said it to you, but I was alluding to, I did not think Holtz looked great this preseason. I was a little worried about his play and and um, keeping up. I think the biggest problem with the preseason and his playing the preseason, he was so petrified of making a mistake in preseason that he wasn't playing his game because at this point, this kid ties his skates wrong and he gets stapled to the bench. So I think, you know, when you get, when, when a coach gets in a kid's head like that, all of a sudden they get off their game. They're not thinking about what got them to the NHL. Right. And a perfect example of this was Peter DeBoer with Adam Larson. Peter DeBoer, yep. and a lot of our fans, from from reading on Twitter, some of our fans might not even remember this. They're, they're gonna, I think A lot of them are kind of young, which is great. But Peter DeBoer <laughs> tortured Adam Larson. Anytime he made a mistake, Adam Larson was stapled to the bench. You know, and specifically in the playoffs, too. I thought Adam Larson should have been left to run in the playoffs, but... I think after the flyer series, he was benched. I, I can't remember. Um, but he tortured Adam Larson. And I, I think he made Adam Larson second guess every single move he was making on the ice. Um, and that was really the beginning of the end. Peter DeBoer was the beginning of the end of Adam Larson on our, on our team. So anyway, getting yep. back to Holtz, I think Ruff has now done that to Holtz. I, I, I he's clearly, in, in, in preseason, he was second-guessing himself. All right, so in comes, the pre, in, in comes the regular season. So Holtz is playing on the top two lines pretty much every game in the preseason. Um, he's doing okay, but I, I was a little surprised that he wasn't a little better because I heard all these uh, all of our beat reporters talking about how fast he looked. And he does look noticeably faster, but something was off in preseason. So we get to the regular season now. All of a sudden, I'm watching him play, and I'm like, holy cow, this kid looks faster. He's making smart plays. He's on the right side of the puck. Yep. All that being said, he's playing on the top two lines with, with players of his own ilk, his own skill. And the first game of the regular season, he's playing on the third line. I know. Kind of strange. So, okay, fine, whatever. I thought he he played well on the third line. Um, as good as could be, and now all of a sudden, I'm getting back to it, he scored. He scored on the third line. He was. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you saw um, Alex Chavancy. You know him? He, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. You saw. Okay. You saw the numbers he posted, right? Yeah, dude. So I didn't. I didn't realize this. I knew he had more goals than Mercer and Palat. Clearly. Uh, he was tied for goals with Meyer, but take a guess. Tyler Toffoli has the most five-on-five goals this year on this team. Alexander Holtz is second. Like, he's been a really good five-on-five player, and the eye test shows it. But the problem is he's playing with, you know, AHL players um, and, and you know, fourth liners, and that's not his game. So yeah, I don't but, know, but I don't know what we're doing. The crazy part to me is he's producing playing with those players. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like he yeah. he's he's doing this playing with people who aren't even close to the same skill level as him. So and by the way, he was out my, for Jasper. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm just saying my thought process is, you know, what what does this kid look like if you play him with people who have who think on the same level as him or have the same scoring touch or able to finish or are, you know, have the same sort of uh, scoring mentality and scoring pedigree that he has. Like what, what does that do to his game? What does that do to his stats and where would he stand as far as driving play and being somebody that you could rely on when you don't have plot going, when you don't have Mercer going, when you don't have all these players going. So I I think that he is, and this is what, and I've mentioned this before. Like I I think that Holtz is producing despite being put in the in the correct slot. You know what I mean? Yeah, agree. You can almost see it on his face after he scores too. Just like he just looks like you know, not overly celebrating. Just that's right. That's what I do. You know, right? He was out. I forget what game it was. He happened to be out with Jesper Bratt for like 30 seconds because maybe there were some late changes. I can't remember. He digs a puck out from behind the net, feeds Bratt in the slot, and Bratt scores. But the play was offsides. So goal gets called back. 30 seconds he was out with Bratt and pulled that off. You know, it was funny and like, so so he's about to, he's about to get benched, right? And like, he's about to be a healthy scratch. <laughs> Are you trying like is Lindy Ruff trying to tell us it's a, to me I'm getting to the point where I'm being personally I feel insulted like you're insulting my intelligence are you trying to tell me that tyranny and no sec and all of these guys potentially Max uh Willman have more upside and have played better than Alex Holtz. I'm not suggesting that Alex Holtz has played like an an all-star or a 40-goal scorer or anything like that. I'm just saying, are you trying to tell me that he's not deserving of a spot, especially when you have two of your top six forwards that are missing? So the way that I looked at it is, all right, Jack and Nico are out of the lineup. You're going to need some people that are going to have to come and step up. And... If you wanted to, you can move Mercer to center. You can move McLeod up the lineup, whatever you want to do. But if nothing else, this should lead to Holtz being bumped up the lineup. Yeah. There's no reason There's no reason that they should be considering taking Holtz out of the lineup and leaving Tyranny in the lineup. And I don't give a shit if Tyranny is a center. Like, Dude, who, Tyranny... who do you think you're talking to? Do you think that we're not watching the games? Like, Tyranny has been awful. Yeah. He has. And and the fact that they, I mean, I don't, the fact that they scratched Willman last night, I thought Willman played pretty, pretty, pretty decently. I, I actually like him. And I heard your last podcast, not to get off on, on yeah. Willman, but I heard your last podcast and I completely agree with you, dude, when, when um, we're all healthy, like, I would not hesitate to throw Max Willman in there a few games over Bastion. I really would not. And I like Bastion. Let them fight it out. Yeah. Let them fight it out. Little, little healthy competition for that fourth line winger spot. Like, yeah. But, to, but, to, but to, scratch, to, to scratch Willman over tyranny to me was 
crazy after the after the last game and forget about his goal i just thought his overall game was was better tyranny every time he gets the puck looks panicked he he looks nervous with it which is you know it's not his fault uh rough is putting him in this position that you know he probably shouldn't be in he's cooked yeah that dude's cooked that guy is never going to play he is andreas Janssen all over again <laughs> that guy is going to end up playing overseas somewhere yeah, he's he's not an NHL player. He should not be rostered on our team. We have Correct. way too much depth. If you want to say, all right, he's going to play on the on the Sharks, or he's going to play here, he's going to play there. That's one thing. But for him to to be in the lineup, um, and what's going to happen is, you know, what's funny is they had practice today, and then after practice, they had some interviews in the locker room, and they interviewed Holtz, and they talked about they must have been doing. They must have been doing drills where, you know, they were like in tight quarters and they were trying to win 50-50 puck battles. And that's something that you said that Ruff wants them to work on. And then I, I don't know if it was Mike Morial or one of these guys that came out and asked, like, what was the what do you think about like your playing time last night? And he, you know, kind of smiled and smirked and was just and his face got all red. He got all blotchy. He looked like he was about to break out in hives. And he was basically like. I just have to keep playing hard and competing. You sent me a message and I was on my way home from the game and it said, did you see Ruff's press conference after the game last night? And he said, you know, you said, you said something along the lines of like, you know, you're going to throw your MacBook or you're going to throw your <laughs> laptop out the window or something. Don't like have that. any, ex- anything expensive and breakable around you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I threw it on and, you know, we could we could just uh, we could summarize it. We don't need to play it. It's five minutes long. But he starts off the, the press conference talking about how they came out and he thought that they played. He, they thought that he, we started on time, but we weren't able to execute. And he kept bringing up our execution. And he brought up Jesper Bratt twice and he said, if Brat's able to execute on that play, we're up one nothing, and it could be a completely different game. And we got out, you know, we came out and we played the first five minutes of the game the way that we wanted to play, but Brat wasn't able to execute. Then he goes on and he brings up Brat again, and he says that he doesn't like the way that Brat wasn't able to execute on another play. He insulted Brat three times in the press conference last night. Did you notice that? Three yeah, different it, times he insulted Brat. <laughs> and then they ask him about you shortened the bench, obviously, last game. Now, I'm not the smartest guy on the planet, and you may completely disagree with me, but if I'm losing 3 nothing, and we start to get a little momentum and we want to shorten the bench and we're playing downhill, you're going to want... Luke Hughes on the ice and Dougie are going to – you're going to see that pairing come back a little bit more and they're going to play because they push play when they're on the ice. But you don't think that that might be a good time to play Alex Holtz when you're down by three in the third period? You don't think that that's a good time to put him on? So he's good enough to play on the power play. You think he's a power play player, but you don't think he's good enough to play because you don't like his compete level. He had the least amount of ice time out of anybody on the team last night a minute and a half less ice time than Tyranny had yesterday. I didn't know that. And My if you God. want to say, 
And if you want to say that we were playing with a lead and I don't, don't, I'm not comfortable with him closing a game out because he's not hard away from the puck or he doesn't play d- defensively responsible enough, that's one thing. But you're down by three goals. You might want to get a kid that has a shot on the ice, a kid that has three goals on the season, a kid that is analytically driven play. I The eye test is equals to what you're seeing on the analytic sheet. I'm not saying he's a dynamo. I'm not saying he's Jack Hughes or Jesper Brad or Timo Meyer. But when you don't have anybody going, Palat's not going. Palat hasn't done anything. Nothing. And you're going to continue to run him out there, but you're going to bench Holtz, and you're going to run Bastion and Tierney and Lazar out there over and over and over, and that's nothing against Bastion or Lazar or Tierney. That's bullshit. Like yeah. you're don't don't think you're gonna have a press conference after and you're gonna say I didn't like his compete level in the first twenty minutes of the game. That's bullshit. I was there. I watched the game along with the other eighteen thousand people in the building or sixteen thousand people in the building and however many hundred thousand people watched it across the country. Don't tell me that Holt's compete level and he wasn't contributing enough to the game that he deserved to have the least amount of ice time out of anybody on our roster when we were trying to come back from a three-goal deficit. That's bullshit. And this is my problem with Lindy Ruff. This is my problem with Lindy Ruff. He does not, at this point, analytically, like you said before, I have no problem with Alexander Holtz being sent to the AHL last year. I have no problem with them going on a 13-game um, win streak and him not wanting to change the lineup up and him not trying to cater to this kid while things are going well. Well, guess what? If your power play isn't hitting at 40-something percent, we're a 500 team right now. Alexander Holtz has a chance, if he plays in the top six or even the top nine, to slot everybody down in your lineup. He was your seventh overall pick. I'm telling you, this kid's shot is insane. Anybody that goes to games and has gone down and watched him during warm-ups, the kid's release and his precision is insane. If you were to put him on the ice in a situation where he was able to showcase his shot, I think his numbers would even go up higher. But if you are going to continue to make excuses for certain people and not utilize the talent on your roster correctly – This is my problem. My problem is, as a coach, you're supposed to do whatever you can do to win. If you have a personal vendetta or there's something personal about Alex Holtz that you don't like, it's still your job to play the players that are going to win you games. It's not personal. It's business. And at this point, business-wise, it's best for Alex Holtz to be on on the ice compared to somebody else, regardless of whether you have a personal beef with him or not. And that's when it's like you're letting your emotions and you're letting your personal vendetta potentially halt the development and what the future of this franchise, an important piece of what this future of the franchise can be. And it's not supposed to be personal. This is your job, dude. Yeah. I I think a lot when Ollie was on the other night and um, – I think he kind of hit it on the head towards the end of the of the podcast, but I think part of it is Lindy Ruff, uh, you know, good old Canadian boy. Um, 
might just not like the Swedish style of hockey or, you know, let me put it this way. If you, if Alex Holtz's name was um, Chris, Chris Roy, or, uh, you know, uh, Jocelyn Lemieux, I'm not saying he's that player, but if he was a Canadian, I think he might be playing more. Um, Andre Pilat. think that that's a problem? I think, I think, I think that's part of the problem. I also wonder if the, maybe Holtz stuck up for himself and said something to Ruff. I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not saying that happened, but there's clearly is something is off there because you have you have very level headed writers. You know, there's people like me and you, um, all, all of our buddies who talk devils. But you have level headed writers like Chauvency, Todd Cordell last night went went off on Ruff. Um, all these guys are all saying the same thing. Um, what are we doing here? Like we're down by three goals. Analytically, Holtz has been very good five on five on this team. He has the second most five on five goals on this team behind Tyler Toffoli playing limited minutes with basically NHL plugs. Why is he on the bench right now? Why is he on the bench right now? Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, some, something is clearly, clearly amiss there. Ruff, Ruff uh, does not like him for one reason or another. You know, we can get into, you know, I, like uh, the way that I look at it is Akira Schmidt should have started yesterday anyway. 100%. And, and you know what? I was actually did not agree with you couple podcasts ago and you you said i would have liked to have seen schmidt get the start i can't remember what game it was they gave vanichak a couple starts in a row but you know you went on about and you, and you were right too you know v- vanichak gets overworked very quickly um but boy last night uh that that second goal that deflected off of uh luke hughes's stick when when smith made that abhorrent uh pinch the goal shouldn't have gone in, and it made Smith look. It made that pinch look even worse than it when it really was. But that's a goal that needs to be stopped. And uh, Chauvency said it too. Um, Schmidt should have started last night, hands down. What are we doing? There's we have five days off after this game. What's the point? What's the point in starting Vanacek last night? There is no point. And. And we talked about Schmidt getting off to a rough start at the beginning of the season. And he came back, and I'm trying to think of what game it was. Was it – it might have been the the game in Minnesota. Um, I think it was the game in Minnesota, which was on Thursday the 2nd. Yeah, it was. It was on Thursday the 2nd. So, And I think he played pretty – and he played really good. He, he had a bounce-back game is my point. But he hadn't played in nine games, and he had gotten pulled, and he's been off to a rough start. So he comes back after not playing for nine days, and he has a good start. And he actually he looks really confident, and he's playing his angles correctly, and he's kicking pucks away with authority, and he's great rebound control. And, you, and you're thinking, this is good. We need to, like, let this kid gain some confidence because we're going to need sh- to know what Schmidt is moving forward. That's been a, a kind of a, a point that I've been hammering in. Like, I want to know what I have in Akira Schmidt before yeah. we sign him, before we figure out what the future of this 
our creases. So he plays on Thursday, November 2nd. You're talking this kid's not going to play again until possibly either the 14th or the 16th. And it's like he went nine games before he played on the second, and now he's he's up to the 14th. That's 25 days where he's played one game. Crazy. How, how are you supposed to get into any kind of rhythm? How are you, you have to see pucks. You have to build off of that. And it's not like they haven't played any games since. You keep running Vanacek out there over and over and over. You do remember last year that Vanacek struggled down the stretch, right, and into the playoffs. It's like you do know that you're going to have to figure out what you're going to have to do in the crease moving forward after this year. You want to know what you have in Schmid. It's important that you help groom Schmid. He should have been playing. He should have been playing in this game to begin with. It's like Vanacek has had – if you want to say that it's – Vanacek should be starting 60% of the games and Schmidt should be 40% or even 35-65. I'm fine with that. But after you come off of a, a good game, throw the kid back out there. It's like I'm not asking you to throw him out, you know, three games in a row, four games in a row, but put him back out there and let him build off of it a little bit. Yeah. 20, 20, 25 days? Like, <laughs> what the hell are we doing? What the hell are we doing? Like, that makes no sense. More more coaching decisions and personnel decisions that are just completely head scratching. The the only positive from last night's game was Schmidt's play. He he looked very good last night, in in control, um, putting rebounds where they needed to be. He made a few huge saves. One he sprawled out across the crease and and uh, and and stopped a shot in the ice there with his arm. I mean he he looked solid last night. Yeah, he looked great. I mean he was the bright spot in. In the whole thing, you know. Uh, oh, look, and I'm I'm looking at this. Uh, I'm on Twitter right now, and it says uh, this is the interview with Alex Holtz. His quote is, "I don't know. It's hard to say. Some games I don't play that much. I'm just trying to focus to get better each day and show him that I'm able. Uh, show him that I'm able to play more. Yeah, he he's going to demand a trade." I mean, it, at some uh, point, it, it, you have yeah. to, right? Like, I mean, if that was your career or if that was your child or if that was somebody that you cared about, you would say, uh, this kid is has more talent, has more potential. He could actually be something somewhere. What I, what I don't want to see is I don't want to see, and I brought up, it's funny because I brought up Zadorov on the last uh, episode of the podcast and sure enough, he goes and requests a trade last <laughs> night from Calgary. They're claiming that um, the Devils could be one of the teams that are interested in him. I think that he would fit in perfectly. Um, I don't want to see him trade Holtz for him, though. That doesn't make any sense. You don't trade away a future, you know, 25 no. goal scorer, 30 goal scorer who you just refuse to groom for a defenseman who's basically a rental. You're going to have to sign him to a contract at the end of the year if you want to keep him. Like, to me, that doesn't make any sense. So The other the other way that trade doesn't uh, make any sense is if we cannot ship a defenseman to Calgary other than Smith, which we all know won't happen, um, but we cannot ship another. I had somebody bring up to me that maybe, uh, you know, Siegenthaler will, will go the other way to make the money work. I said the only way this trade makes sense 
is if Brendan Smith ends up being the seventh or eighth defenseman. This is we're not trading away a regular six defenseman someone, to bring in Zadorov. Someone said, "Oh, I think I'd rather give away Marino than Siegenthaler," and I'm like, "Oh my what, god, what is going through people's heads? Like, you're going to trade away one of your." actual defensive defenseman, one of your steady defensemen, to try to bring in another defenseman who's not on contract? That makes no right. sense at all. So yeah. the only one way that this works is if you trade away. And I don't want to see him trade away a first-round pick. And uh, it's like we've we've mortgaged our future a lot to get to where we are right now. I think we're in the position to where we do have some assets. We have some assets in the AHO. It's like if you want to do a – Graham Clark, you know, and uh, someone else. Because I tell you what, it, it, like Zadora's trade value goes down once he demands a trade. So like Calgary doesn't have the leverage that they had if they were just going to shop him without him being outspoken. And that's kind of one of the things that I talked about too. The guy does run his mouth yeah. quite a bit. Uh, I you don't know. To- it, it's like to me like – I look at like Foot and Graham Clark and those. I mean, I'd want to try to hold on to Seamus Casey as much as I could, but no, he's not going. Uh, no it's way. getting, it, it's getting to the point where I, I don't really know who you would send the other way, and I don't want it to be Holtz. Um, it better not be Holtz. I, I don't think it will be. Tell me where you think this goes with Holtz. If you're, if you had to guess, what do you think happens with at the end of the year? Where is Holtz playing? Uh, in our lineup and you know where where do you see where do you see us with him with it's hard right it, it is it's hard, it's hard um, to figure out like you know he needs a shot he needs a shot with brat or he needs a shot with hughes or he sure he needs a shot with those guys you know, even, you know, Pavel Zak has been in the doghouse a ton when, when he was with the Devils, but he, he always got a chance with, with top six players. And, you know, he didn't produce or had a couple good games, had a couple bad games. They throw him back down on, on the third line. He, we, we don't know what he is. We don't know what Holtz is. He's He's been given basically fourth line minutes the entire season. And he's not a, I mean, we all know it's like beating a dead horse. He's not a fourth line player. He's, he's, He's not a grinder. He's not uh, a you know a four checker. I mean, he could be a four checker, but you get my point. You get my drift. He he needs yeah. to be seen with 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 players of his ilk. He needs to be seen with. I think honestly, you give him a shot with Jesper Bratt, two Swedes. He probably idolizes Bratt. He works out with them all summer long. Why wouldn't you yep. see if this kid starts pumping in goals with a player like Jesper Bratt, which I do believe he would. I believe he would. I believe he would be pumping in goals um, if he played with a player like Brad. I mean, look, you know, he he was out there thirty seconds with him. It might have been the Blackhawks game. I can't remember. And uh, Holtz dug the puck out from behind the net with a guy on him, threw it out in front, and Brad scores. Um, I don't know if we're ever going to know unless Fitzgerald steps in because I do think there are instances where you know maybe Fitzgerald says, "Look, this is not what we're doing." We can't do this anymore. And like like you've said, and, and Fitzgerald said over the summer, Alex Holtz is a huge asset to this team. By playing him huge. on the fourth, by yeah, by playing him on the fourth line, you are doing a disservice to this entire organization, the fans, 
everybody who cares about this team, not not seeing him to his true potential is a huge disservice to the entire organization. He's also it. If you play him in the correct spot, it slots everyone in. It, it gives you so much more depth to slot everyone correctly. So let's say you didn't think he belongs in the top six right now because he hasn't earned that. I'm actually okay with that. You want to put him on the third line? That's fine. But then it slots Lazar down to the fourth line where he actually can work with Bastion. You know what I mean? Like that actually makes more sense. Yeah. Bastion playing with Holtz does not make any sense. It's not doing either of them any good. Yeah, that's stupid. Yeah, like Andre Palat to me has been very underwhelming, obviously, which we all know. And it's like, to, I still think Andre Palat is a very good player and has a lot of talent and is going to add value to the team. Tell me, Andre Palat is not the perfect third line player. Like, put Andre Palat on the third line for a little bit, get him going, have him play a simple game, and maybe give Holtz a shot up on that first line because Palat has done nothing to. Oh, he, he's done nothing to buy himself more leash to continue to play on the first line. He's added nothing. Yep. So, I mean, if you have a kid on the fourth line who's a sniper, who's been a proven goal scorer his entire life, if you have an opportunity to move him from the fourth line to the first line and slot everybody else down the lineup, it creates depth for your entire organization. And for Ruff to not acknowledge that, he's, like you said, he's doing such a disservice and he's being so... There's no forward thinking whatsoever. You are being so like greedy in the moment as to what you think is right instead of thinking what the long-term plan. They've been, you know, this entire the entire rebuild for the Devils has been trust the process. You're going to get to this point. We have all of these players and you have your 7th overall pick who's and you're gonna, you're not going to trust the process now? Like now right. is when you're going to decide let's forget about what happened. People talk about, well, it's, you know, and that's what Jack of Hearts brought up, Ollie brought up, and I, I love I love battling with him. Um, but he said, like, it's not Ruff's job to groom, Nem- or to groom Holtz because this team has a chance to win a Stanley Cup right now. Well, guess what? It is his job to groom Holtz because he has Luke Hughes that he has to groom. He has Nemitz that he has to groom. He has a Schmidt and a goaltender. He's got ball. He has all these young players. Your job is not done. You are not done grooming these players yet. You are not at the peak. The way that I look at it is the Devils are never going to win the Stanley Cup playing the way that they do right now. Agree. Never. You know, so so think about this real quick. Think about this. If you have zero chance, I don't have any faith in them winning the Stanley Cup the way that they're playing now. That's not to say that this team can't get healthy and get their game together and make a strong push, and win a couple playoff rounds. I'm not debating that at all. My point is, if you are going to continue to send Brendan Smith out there to play the way that he did last night, and don't give me the shit that he threw a couple big body checks in the third period after he let up two goals throughout the game and took his Brendan Smith penalty of the game, you know what I mean? Like, don't That does not buy you more time. You are not allowed to. You are not allowed to give up two goals and throw a couple hits, and then that is forgiveness for for the the lack of judgment and the and being completely unaware and out of position on the ice all the time. But if you are going to have a guy who's going to make mistakes over and over and over, 
why not give someone else in your organization doesn't even have to be your number two overall pick that you know you're going to want to play on the back end soon. Why not give, if you think Hataka has a chance to be a potential depth defenseman, even a seventh defenseman, you know, I get it. Colin Miller's been injured. Bring anybody up, anybody. I'd rather see Cal Foote come in and just take a look at him. Take a look at anybody. But to continue to throw Brendan Smith out there and have him play the way that he has all season, it's like, let's just look and see if there's anybody else out there to where maybe this guy, if he gets a couple games, can turn into something better than what we have right now because what we have right now is not sustainable. This is not going to win you games. We do not have a sixth defenseman. He leaves Ball and Hughes every time he plays with either of them in the lurch. Brennan Smith is a problem, and I I feel awful because I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he's trying as hard as he can. It's not a personal thing. It's just he's not capable of doing the job correctly, and if you're not capable of doing the job correctly, you have the duty as a coach and as the boss to make a move for the rest of your team to improve. If you don't make that move, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. The players in your locker room are going to lose faith in you. The players in the locker room know who the most talented people are, and they know who deserves to be on the ice. And when it becomes personal and you make it a personal thing, I think you're going to lose some people. And people talk about how everybody loves, all the players love Lindy Ruff so much. I'm not too sure about that, to be honest with you. Nico. Nico Heischer did not give him a ringing endorsement prior to last year coming in. It was a Jack Hughes thing. And guess what? Jack Hughes, you're the future. You're the franchise. You're the face of the franchise. I respect that. But that does not give you the right to pick who the coach is. And that's not to say that if you got another coach in here that he wouldn't also like him and like the way the stuff that he's learned from him as well. So God damn it. Yeah, I mean, if that was long, and I originally, when you started talking, if if you go back when everybody was healthy, and our fourth line was actually playing pretty damn well, I think it was Lazar, Bastion, and McLeod, right? They were playing really well. And then Holtz get or then uh, Ruff gets this bright idea that he he doesn't like Holtz on the third line anymore. And he takes Holtz off the third line, puts him on the fourth line, and puts Lazar to the third line. And I, I don't think there were too many more games. I think it might have be, even been that game or the next game where I, I think uh, Hughes ended up getting injured. But immediately, the fourth line was not playing as well because they all had uh, Lazar, Bashan, McLeod. They had chemistry. They were humming. Um, they were creating havoc. They were pinning the puck in the offensive zone, buying the other three lines time to rest. They were doing their job. And then Ruff gets this bright idea that he wants uh, Lazar on the third line and, and Holtz on the fourth line. And everything got mangled. Uh, it it um, The fourth line was not playing as well. The third line was not playing as well. But, you know, I think Jack got injured the next game and, and the lines have been discom- discombobulated since. Um, but getting to Brendan Smith and Holtz and, and quite frankly, everybody else last, last season, Luke Hughes and Marino played 
pretty damn well together in the playoffs. They 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 they, they stood out, right? And I, I guess they played well preseason. Uh, Ball and and Luke played, or Ball and uh, Marino played okay in the in the preseason this year. But things are clearly not working on the back end right now. And this goes to coaching. Why aren't you putting your players in a position to succeed? Why is Alexander Holtz, who's been a sniper his entire career, playing on the fourth line? Why is Luke Hughes playing on his offside with? The fourth worst analytically rated defenseman in the entire NHL. I'll tell you what, it's amazing that Luke Hughes has played as well as he has playing on his offside with Brendan Smith on the other side. It's mind boggling, quite frankly, that he's played as well as he has. Imagine giving him a legit third pairing. Imagine giving him Zadaroff. I mean, I don't know if we get if we, oh if we get Zadaroff and w- what the lines will what the what the pairings will look like, but imagine giving Luke Hughes and I'm not and, I, and I'm totally with you. It's nothing against Brendan Smith. It's against Lindy Ruff. He's he is not putting our personnel in positions to succeed. That's his job. The the that is your job and. What the the shame of this that makes it so much worse is that Tom Fitzgerald went out and did his job so damn well. Yep. And to have the coach who's going to now play with these pieces that your general manager really it was a master it was a mastercraft that it was it was really brilliant all the signings you know you want to bitch about the Palat signing I get it. That's one signing out of all these out of all these signings, and when he, you got to remember too, when he signed Palat, it was like he was looking for some sort of veteran leadership that has been to the Stanley Cup, that knows what it's like, that is a role player and will be a presence in the locker room to help groom these young kids, and he overpaid for that championship pedigree, and I'm fine with it, whatever. But the the good part about this felt like. Fitzgerald took a lot of these pieces out of uh, out of you know Lindy's hands, these cards out of Lindy's hands, and he's continuing to make the most mind-boggling decisions with his personnel. They signed him to a multi-year deal. Does anybody know how long that deal is? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. He's in a he's a and he's an enigma, and it's like I just. I worry that we're going to start wasting years now of a team that could start its run right now. And I worry about the growth in very high draft picks. You know, it's already happened with Holtz, but, you know, you're not really giving Luke Hughes a chance to succeed either. Like, you're kind of throwing him to the wolves. He's not really – if he wasn't a phenomenal player – like phenomenal who knows what his you could be crushing him too yeah and then i wonder what what is what kind of situation is he going to put nemitz in like i don't want that, i don't want nemic anywhere near rough i i'm like what is he going to do with him and for him to come out last night and blame jesper brett three times in his press conference in a 5 minute press conference about execution like are you kidding me you're gonna blame Jesper Bratt like are you not watching the game you literally put your lines in a blender over and over and over and you refuse to change up your defensive pairings like 
why? Like, I just don't understand any of the thought process. And what's crazy is you have these people, like, there's a lot of people on Twitter that's like, you need to, people need to calm down. You know, the devil's, the devil's, the sky, you know, the sky isn't falling. These people overreact and you're panicking and this and that. And it's like, yeah, sure. Like a little bit, a little bit of it is overreaction. And I, I would agree. But you don't wait until you're out of a playoff spot and your team is tanking and people are in the room. You lose the room before you start making changes. You do it while you've skated by and you won some games that you probably shouldn't have won, and you start making decisions now. I think you should always be looking to get better. Always, this whether your star players are injured, whether your coach isn't making the right decisions, the team and the franchise should consistently be trying to get better. If they were. If they were literally undefeated right now, that does not mean that the coach should not be trying to make the team better. And it's yeah. like we're about to be a 500 team if we keep playing the way that we are. Like yeah. this is not sustainable. Uh, you know, I I don't think that it's an overreaction. I think that you want to get ahead of things and you want to get your arms around things before it turns into the Edmonton Oilers. That's what I worry about. S- same. And you, you went back, bef- you know, before you said um, without the power play, we might we might be, you know, we'd be a five five hundred team. I think that's being generous. I don't think we've looked very good at five on five, even with Hughes and 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 Heischer in the lineup. Um, I think without without the power play clicking at forty forty five percent the way it is, we might be the Edmonton Oilers right now. Um, you know that being said, the, the the pieces are all there, and I don't I don't know. It's just um, it's very frustrating to watch. Tell me, Tell me this: after the game in Colorado, where there were however many odd man rushes in that game, like I mean, it's every game. It was it, it was it got ridiculous. There were no adjustments made. They didn't make any adjustments. Yeah. Nothing. They threw the same exact people out there. They played the same exact game. There was nothing made. At one point, TJ Oshie was skating through the neutral zone with the puck on his stick, juggling it and throwing it around, and nobody decided to hit the guy. Like, And I get it. That's just one play, but I'm saying nobody is playing physical enough. Nobody. And what was really sad was to start off the Colorado game, the team sacrificed their body by blocking a lot of shots in the beginning of that game, if you remember. And it was like, this is kind of what good teams do is like, especially when they have, you know, they're dealing with a little adversity when you have your two players out. He didn't, as a coach, you have to make adjustments. You also have to learn how to get your players to start on time. It's like, you can't go down two goals every single game. The Devils literally last year, the, this is not new. This is not from this year. The Devils last year got off to slow starts too and would have to dig themselves out of a hole consistently, but were able to do it. And they scored, and I talked about this. I said they scored an – actually, I, I think there was like a fact, and I don't have – shit, I wish I had it in front of me, but the amount of come-from-behind victories that the Devils had last year – the amount of times that they tied a game up with the netminder pulled in the last minute and minute and a half of a game, 
the amount of times that they won in overtime, overtime lends itself to us with three on three with the amount of speed and open ice that there is. But if you don't have a couple pucks bounce your way, I just thought that that seemed like an, it sound it felt like a very, um, it would, it would be very hard to recreate that kind of puck luck from last year to this year, which I thought there would be just natural organic regression from that. But with that said, you it's up to the coach to get your players to start on time. At some point, it is on the players to go out there and execute and start on time. But if you can't motivate your players to be ready, if you're not willing to make in-game defensive dis, um, <coughs> adjustments, like how could you continue to keep throwing out, you know, how much longer are you going to throw out Ball and Arena, who are both two good defensemen, and not live up to their hype to where those guys are playing at 50% of what their potential could be, 60 70% of what their potential could be. Break them up and, and switch them around and see what you could get out of them. But to continue yeah. to just throw them out there over and over, like, what the fuck are we doing? I, 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 I don't know. Um, I was shocked that during Cal Foote's stint up here, he didn't at least get a single game. Right? How much worse? Oh, look! And I, and I hate to keep harping on it, but how much worse can it get with with Smith? Like, what 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 more do you need? To, you know what you have with him. He he's he's a fine seventh or eighth defenseman, but how much worse could Cal Foot be? You know, we don't know because you never gave him a shot to play. Give him a look. Yeah. I mean, how could it hurt you at this point? Yeah. Like anybody, anybody, yeah. if you want to go just, if you want to go to Utica and talk to Deneen and say, who has been your best defensive defenseman so far this year? If it's a guy that's been playing for 30 years or, who, you know, who's 30 years old, it's like, if he's been playing the best, put him in. It can't get worse than what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. If anything, just the penalties. Just taking penalties alone. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and and my dad always brings it up. And I, I just hate that I'm wasting so much energy on Brendan Smith, if I'm being honest. But, like, he just keeps pinching. And it's like, dude, like, you know what you are at this point. What are you doing? Like, why are you so far? Why are you so deep in our offensive zone when you can't skate? You cannot yeah. skate. Yeah. It's like, shouldn't that be Luke Hughes? Shouldn't that be Luke Hughes, like, in our zone? Like, if there's going to be somebody behind the net who's a defenseman, it better be Luke Hughes and not Brendan Smith. You know what I mean? Former, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got into it with somebody on Twitter a little bit last night, but what is Brendan Smith doing that far down in the zone on, I think it was, I can't remember what goal it was. It was Kuznetsov goal, and it was basically a 2 on 0 and Smith laid out trying to get back. And the the kid was blaming the forward for not getting back, which was, I think, Meyer at that point. I don't even remember. But that's not Brendan Smith's job. Brendan Smith should be solely focused on playing defense, not 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 pinching, not adding any offense, um, because he can't get back in time uh, if, if the play does go sideways and, and back the other way into our zone. The other one was, I think it was the second goal last night, Washington was breaking the puck out of their zone and Smith and and I agree with you. I hate to continue getting on him, 
because it's just like shooting fish in a barrel at this point. And it's not Smith's fault, but he, he, he basically pinched in the neutral zone, but it was like five feet in front of our defensive blue line. He has no business pinching there. If you're pinching there, that's possibly the worst place to turn the puck over is three feet in front or behind of any blue line. He has, unless you're 80% sure you can make that play, you're not pinching there. And certainly somebody like him who will never be able to get back in time should not be pinching there. That is no man's land. Yeah. No man's land. And that's a step. And I've seen that happen to him before. He had a game where they, he had somebody coming down the wing fast and he tried to just whack the puck out of midair and got caught flat footed and going the wrong way. And, and it was ugly. It led directly to a goal. Um, it's, it's a shame. You know, like, because I hate, I think that this team has a lot of potential and I and I think that they're going to get their game together at some point. I really do. Same. I just, it, it's like, and, and I and I had this post that I posted on Twitter and it got passed around and had like, you know, 6,000 views or something like that. And it was just about, regardless of, I, I never want the Devils to lose. But, like, the more that they, like, win and hang on, I don't want them to be mediocre either. Like, I hate that middle ground. I never want to be, like, I never want the quarterback who is going to win seven games every year and just keep his job. You know what I mean? Like, I either want a quarterback that's going to be awful and we know that we need to make a change and get a new quarterback in, or I want a guy that we think, all right, this guy can win us a Super Bowl. And that's kind of how I feel right now with Lindy Ruff. I just feel like I want the Devils to win – but I don't think that he is going to be the guy that gets it done for us. And every time they win, it basically it just prolongs the inevitable, like for me. And and I feel like the longer that we keep him around, the longer. And it sucks because I I do respect him, and I, I respect him as a man, and I respect his legacy in hockey. And I think he's done a lot of good things to get the team to where it is right now. Like I would like to see him in a front off like a front office position or something like that. I think he deserves to be part of this. But I think the way that he's thinking is very closed-minded. And if this team wants to take it to the next level, I'm not sure that he is capable of ta- – of get- he, he got us a team that brought us to our most franchise, our winningest season ever. So he's done some shit right. There's no doubt about that. But when I think it comes to winning, being a championship team, I think he might have plateaued, and I'm not sure he could break through that glass ceiling. Like, yeah. one of the things that I look at is, th- tell me if you think that this is somewhat accurate. He's a guy, like you said, he's a good old Canadian boy who likes, you know, you look at like Vegas. Vegas plays a very heavy, straight line uh winning battles, forechecking, doing all the little things. And uh, and there's a lot of old-school Canadian and North American coaches that that's their game, and I get it. But – and he's – so he's, like, kind of, like, he's into he's into the, the Brendan Smiths, and he's into the, you know, like a guy like Halla or a guy like Palat or a guy like, you know, Lazar. The problem is our team's not built to play like that. 100%. So it's like you can't 
you can't turn your Ferrari into a tank, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like, our team is meant to play with speed. Like, that's not who we are. I get it. That's the way you like. That's the kind of hockey that you like. That's the game that you want to play. I understand that. You have a Timo Meyer. You know what I mean? Like, he's a guy that can play like that. It's like, you have a Toffoli. He's a guy that can play like that. But let's be real. Like, you have Jesper Bratt, too, who is the definition of having a – he is the equivalent of having a Ferrari on the ice. And you're you're looking at his game, and you're not happy with it. That's crazy to me. Like, out of all the shit that's going on on this team right now, you're not happy with Jesper Bratt's performance? That, to me, is, like, such a red flag, like, that you would get up in front – after the game is over, after you've evaluated the entire process and processed the entire game – the thing that you're taking away when someone asks you a question right after the game, what do you think the problem was? And you're going to bring up Jesper Bratt three times in a row. To me, that's concerning. Like, that's where I'm like, are you seeing the same thing that we're seeing? Because I was shocked listening to it, that. that. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, he basically came out and was blaming the loss on Jesper Bratt's failure to convert on his very first chance of the game last night. I mean, I don't know. I don't and know if I've ever I don't know if I've ever heard a coach come out and blame a player for not converting on a chance, which I mean, it was a decent chance, but that happens. It happens all the time. Players don't convert 100% of the time. Things like that are going to happen. Buckle it up and figure out how to play. Not not because Jesper Bratt didn't convert on the first chance. Jesper Bratt's been amazing this year. Um I I, I was shocked to, to at that Bratt's press conference. One of the leading point, he's one of the leading point scorers in the NHL. Yeah. Even if he played like shit. Even if he was completely awful, he still should not have criticized him in the press conference three times in a row afterwards. Yeah. I mean the bottom line is you look at this team in this forward group, there are probably 15 teams in the NHL that would die to have this forward group without Nico and Jack. There are zero, zero excuses for why we are playing the way we are playing right now. And I get, I get it. I think, I think, this team clearly relied and revolved around Jack Hughes. It, it's it's clear that the whole team revolved around him. At the same time, it, it's not a bad thing. I mean, it, it's terrible that he's out, but it's not a bad thing that he's out and try to play a team game, try to get some of these other players going, try to put people in positions where they will succeed. And that's the that's the biggest takeaway from this that I'm I'm getting right now is that Ruff is not putting players in positions where they will succeed, um, and it's I don't I don't want to panic I don't want to um, claim the sky is falling but you know it's a problem and and it's only going to take a week or two and we could be in big trouble. It's it's so noticeable, and when everybody notices it except for the head coach, to me, um, and I'm not pretending like I am uh, as good of a hockey mind as Lindy Ruff is, but 
when everyone can see stuff that is so blatant and he's not able to, it does you are you are sacrificing the you're jeopardizing the future development of the entire organization. And yeah. to me, that's it's not something that anyone should take lightly. Whether you're winning or you're losing. It's like when it comes to the development of your young high draft picks that you have slowly 10-year process to get to where we are today and you're not playing the personnel in the correct positions and you're not doing what's best to grow these players, I actually completely agree with you. Jack Hughes and Nico Huescher being out of the lineup is not the worst thing that's ever happened to this team. This is a team, this is a time for people to step up. This is a time for people to play some simple hockey. You don't have all of the bells and whistles on it. Let's play a little fundamental, a little structured hockey and then when they come back into the lineup, you're parlaying that success off of it. You're and you're and it's an extra. And it's like it's it's going the complete opposite way, which is why a lot of people thought once you lost those two forwards, this would be the opportunity to move Holtz up in the lineup and give him a chance, being that you're you you're losing scoring power. Not to mention like Nico Heischer wasn't doing shit before he got injured. Let's yeah. let's be real. And yeah. I think he's one of, he's one of the most important parts of our team and I'm not debating that at all. Um but it's not like he he wasn't lighting up the lamp. That's for sure. Um it's it's been uh it's been a frustrating it's been a frustrating couple of weeks and uh it's a devil's podcast, so of course we're going to nitpick stuff, and of course we're going to dive into it, but it's because we're emotionally invested into it. And and these aren't just completely emotional decisions and sentences and thoughts that I'm putting out. This is, you know, this is real. Like, to me, like, I think we have a problem with our coach. And I think that Tom Fitzgerald has to, at some point, say, hey, listen – you know, we made a lot of sacrifices in order to move up to get this player, to get that player. He's going to be part of our franchise moving forward. You need to at least give him a legit look so we have an understanding as to if we can move him or if he's going to be somebody that's going to be part of our future moving forward. Um, even even if, even if, and I don't believe this to be true, but even if Fitzgerald doesn't like Holtz, right, or... <laughs> Why wouldn't you showcase him? Why wouldn't you put him in a position to succeed so you could trade him for the highest possible value you can? I don't believe for one second that Fitzgerald has anything to do with Holtz's on-ice play because as a GM, that would be completely asinine. The, um, you you would you you know if I was the GM of the Devils, I would want Holtz to look as good as possible, whether I liked him or not, because that's going to raise his trade value up. If I was the GM. Um, I would have him skating with Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt because I'd want him pumping in, you know, a pace for 30 something goals. And if I wanted to get rid of him, you, 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 you trade him at the high point. And I remember Lou did that with, um, I can't remember when we traded for Kovalchuk. Uh, I can't remember the forward that we traded over, um, part of the deal with, uh, I think Salmel and Oduya, but, um, all of a sudden I can't remember who he was. He started skating on the first line. And he was playing real well, and I was like, I think we're, I think we're showcasing this kid um, for a trade. And sure enough, within a month, we had traded Oduya, Anzi Salmela, and whoever this kid was, I can't remember his name, 
We traded him for a part of package for, for, for Kovalchuk. You'd think they'd be, even if they don't, the organization doesn't believe in Holtz, which I don't believe that to be true, you'd be playing him with, with players who can play. Makes zero sense. It's just, it's just bad asset management, period. Yeah. Like, period. We've all, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, and for him to, for him to come out yesterday and not play Holtz in the third period when you were down three goals after the, flashes of offensive brilliance that he showed in the very small amount of time and to have him be the lowest guy with ice time on the entire team and for tyranny to have 90 a minute and a half more ice time than him is there it's inexcusable completely inexcusable and i'm getting tired of just listening to his sorry ass excuses to where he defends certain players to the grave and then he throws other people under the bus regardless of what they're doing and i just think that it might be time for a fresh start from somebody but i don't think that's going to happen anytime soon which really is discouraging to me because it worries me about it worries me about other people too you know it it worries me for extremely for holt's development um what he will turn into as an asset and, and not for nothing. I don't want Simon Nemec anywhere near this team right now. Uh, not because I don't think he can play here, but because I don't want him stapled to the bench for tying his skates wrong. And meanwhile, we have, and not to get on Siegenthaler, he is, he has not looked great. Um, you know, right. I'll tell you what Smith, even Luke Hughes, if Simon Nemec made, and I, Love Luke Hughes. He's a complete stud. But if I, I believe in my heart, if Simon Nemec made some of the mistakes that Luke Hughes has made in game, I don't. I think Nemec would have been benched for the rest of the game. Completely, completely, for lack of a better word, fucking with his head. I could not agree more. I could not agree more. If Nemec was had Hughes on his back and was Jack Hughes's brother. It would be a different story that he definitely gets a pass. And like you said, that's nothing against Luke Hughes. That's not Correct. Luke Hughes's fault. It's like I'm I'm not blaming Luke Hughes for anything. It's like I think Luke Hughes has handled himself really well. You know, we've talked about it a million times to where the one thing I worried about with him was being a little too aggressive and trying to do too much uh, and, and turning the puck over. And he really hasn't done that. That's not been his thing. He's had a couple – uh, rookie rough spots, but for the most part, I think he's been really good, especially considering the position that the team has put him in. So, yes. Um, but I, I, compl- I completely agree with you when it comes to Nemitz, to where it just is like nothing good is going to happen. Yeah, nothing, you know, he, <laughs> nothing he, good he, is going to happen. He, he, he's a he's a Slovakian player, um, which I think is probably a, a strike right away with Ruff. Um, I just don't want what's happening to Holtz to happen to Nemec because he was a number two overall pick. Not that being a, a seven overall pick is any any different, but we need both these guys to pan out, and we need them to pan out well. Like yeah. he can't come up yes, here 100%. and be sec- he can't come up here and be second guessing every move he makes because he's afraid he's going to get stapled to the bench. Um, and you know what? I think Holtz has handled what Ruff has been doing to him, borderline torture. Oh I think God. he's handled it extremely well. What a pro. Yeah. What a pro. Like, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, there have been a lot of other people like, you know, those Russian guys and shit. They would have never put up with this shit. They would. Yep. It would have been a shitstorm. I think that he has handled himself like a pro. Everything they've asked him to do, he has gone and done. He has a positive attitude. He hasn't thrown anybody under the bus. He yep. has a smile on his face. You know, I could tell from the warm-ups yesterday that the guys really like him. Like, he stayed at, he was the last person on the ice, and him and Timo were passing the puck around. And Dude, I cannot overstate enough what this kid's shot is. It is yeah. insane. And, yeah. actually, like, you know, one of the – you see it in warm-ups is where you really get to see, like, the precision. And, and there's, like, a couple guys that have stood out to me in, let's say, the past, like, you know – I don't know, five, seven years. And like Pablo Zaka, sick release, sick release. Like he's a guy that was, was able to wire them. And people think of Pablo Zaka and they think of underwhelming and slow and, you know, whatever. I'm telling you, that kid had a sick shot and that that's not enough. You know, you need more than just a good shot. But I am telling you, dude, Holtish shot is insane i was literally blown away i knew he had a good shot i've stuck around for warm-ups before but it was because i had this we had this free holt sign that was we were hanging up that we were like me and my son were like paying a little more attention to just him like in practice and my god it is like lethal to where if he ever had some open ice and wasn't playing on a fourth line checking role holy crap like i can't even imagine what he would be capable of doing you know what i mean like could you imagine what him and Jesper Bratt would be doing together right now? Because you know, the, the, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. One of the underrated things with Alex Holtz's game is his playmaking playmaking ability. He, that kid totally. is very heady. He he can he he can see plays happen and make passes that very few people on this team can make. Um, I just I think you put him and him and Brat together with a strong center, maybe Nico. I you know I don't know who, but I think they would just absolutely. I think the two of them would tear it up. I think they'd be a great pairing together. Uh, I think it would propel Holtz. It would get his confidence going, and that's what we need right now. We don't need Holtz again buried on the fourth line. Blah blah blah. It, we don't we don't need it. Um, you, it's funny that you say that because. Uh, I'm trying to think of what game it was. I'm pulling it up now. I think it was the Buffalo game um, at home on Friday the 27th. Dude, Alex Holtz was making passes to me that I was like, holy shit. Like, I didn't even realize. Like, I knew that he could make moves. I knew he had moves. But I was like, dude, like, that w- that's crazy. That's like, a, like you said, a very – heady pass like he's thinking two steps he's thinking two steps above people he is not just a shooter he is a playmaker too yeah and you're right if he plays with a guy like brat i think they could turn people inside out i really i really do 100 and, and getting back to what i brought up at the beginning of the podcast unless you played hockey i don't think you realize how hard of a play that is when that puck is rimming around the boards getting to the to the power play last night where uh, holt's uh, had the pass to Toffoli and then the pass to uh, Hamilton. I don't think you realize how hard of a play that is to pick the puck up, rimming around, skating with it on your backhand. And it was seamless. I was shocked that he actually corralled that pass. And then it's right on Hamilton's stick in the slot. I mean. Yeah. No, it was. 
the, the kid has talent. Pass, I, the backhand sauce pass across <laughs> the entire ice. I literally, I literally like did the jaw drop. I opened my mouth, like my <laughs> eyes like bulged out of my head for a second. I was like, whoa, like yeah. it was backhand sauce literally diagonally across the entire ice right onto Foley's stick in stride. I was like, holy shit. Like how yeah. do you even see him? How, where, like how that's a, that's a play where if I see a player make a play like that, even once I'm like, damn, all right, this kid's got clearly got confidence. He's capable. He's got the physical capability to have the touch and make that happen. Like yeah. we should probably see what we have more in this kid too. You know what I mean? And, and, that's and not, getting get, that's getting not even draft. Yep, getting back to his shot. There's a lot of times you'll see him flat-footed in the offensive zone with a with a with a pass or the with a pass on his tape, and he completely surprises the goalie with the speed and velocity that that shot has. Where they don't even see it. There's been a couple times where you know he maybe you know maybe a couple inches higher to wired it into one of the corners. He hits the goalie on the shoulder. The goalies don't even react, and this kid is completely flat-footed. And for people who don't play hockey, to shoot a puck that hard completely flat-footed is man that's something else dude like the kid can can fire the puck yeah I, he's a stud he's a stud i will i i fully completely admit that there were times where it looked like he did not belong 100% so he did not look like he belonged there i remember going to the madison square garden for the ranger game last year i think it was the sec it was the second time they played at the garden and he just looked like he was lost in the ice. He was not good defensively. He did not look yep. good away from the puck. Um, and he did not belong on the ice. I'm not seeing the same player right now. And no. I'm not seeing that player right now. I'm seeing somebody who looks like they belong on the team. This is not just – I'm not a Alex Holtz fanboy who uh, I have nothing better to do but criticize Lindy Ruff for no reason because I like to complain. I, I, I really honestly think that they're – you know, if we're gonna, if we're gonna, if I'm gonna freaking waste my time recording these podcasts every week, and I'm gonna go up to these games, and we're gonna debate on the internet every day, and do all this stuff, like I want to see the best players play, like, and I think that that's fair. I think that's a fair ask from the fans. You know what I mean? Who spend their hard-earned money and devote their time? Uh, I and I think for to for that to be taken from them from a coach. For at this point, it is a strictly personal reason. Is I think is very selfish, and uh, which is not which is is not an adjective that's attached to Lindy Ruff. You know what I mean? Very often, but I, I think what he's doing right now is selfish, and it's irresponsible. Um, I, I think a lot of it has to do. I, I, think, I, I think I think a lot of it has to do with him just being flat out stubborn. Like he, to me, at least it just, at this point, it just seems like stubbornness and he wants to prove his point. Like that's all, that's the only thing I can come up with. I, I don't see any other reason why you would have him playing where he's playing. Yeah. I mean, we knew that this was going to be a very Alex Holtz, Lindy Ruff, uh, heavy episode right from the get go, especially after you saw that he could be a healthy scratch yesterday and, it was funny because I, I saw an article, um, I think it was James Nichols, who pointed out that 
I think benching Lindy or it's benching Alex Holtz yesterday instead of playing him might have been might have even hurt him more than than just making him a healthy scratch. That's de- that's debatable. It's like seriously, uh, it, it, you know, I'm if we're wondering what do I what does he have to do? I'm sure that Holtz is wondering what do I have to do to get my fair shake. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he hasn't been given a fair shake, and that's and that's a shame because this is a person's life. Um, and they've worked their entire lives to get to this point and he has a skill and he's had the right mentality and he's handled himself like a real pro. Um, I would like to see him given more of an opportunity. We're back. We, um, goddamn internet, goddamn internet went out. (laughs) So who knows what this is going to sound like afterwards, but either way, um, yeah, so we were talking about uh, Timo Meyer, and we were talking about how Timo Meyer played on the opposite side in San Jose, and he had all the success, and then he comes over here, and then we play him on the wrong side, and, you know, yada, yada. Yeah. I mean, he just, you know, he was, I think he, you know, he was on the right side in San Jose. We put him on the left side here. He struggles for the first however many games he struggled for. We get the bright idea to put him back where he was a 40-goal scorer and, uh, you know, 70 70 points uh, with San Jose, and all of a sudden he starts producing again. And it's the same thing with the power play in San Jose. Timo Meyer was not a net front presence guy on the power play in San Jose. He was on the half wall on his off wing where his shot, where his his strong hand was facing the net for the one-timer. And... um, I honestly think that, you know, he needs to be put back and it it goes back to putting players in a position where they will succeed, not trying to put uh, 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 a round shape into a square peg. It's, it's not going to work. You can't, these guys have played in these positions their entire lives. They are so used to playing in these positions that when you throw them out of their element, things are not going to go well. Put him on the half wall in the power play. Stick somebody, you know, you had Nate Bastion there for, you know, however long a net front presence. He's great there. Right. He doesn't have a lot of skill. He's a big body. You know, he, he can corral rebounds. Put Palat at the net front presence, not on the half wall. Yep. Um, but my, my, the last place Meyer should be is two feet in front of the net with that one-timer. I'm sorry. Makes no sense. He's a shooter. Yeah. Always has been. This isn't always old career. Like- Always, always. It's almost yeah. like, oh, well, he's a big guy who can crash the front of the net and he plays a power forward role. So we're going to have him just stand in front of the net and try to get rebounds. To be honest with you, it's like Toffoli is probably better in the bumper spot than Meyer is. It's like, yeah, it, yeah like it, it's very, you know, like one of the things that baffled me last night was they put four forwards out on the ice for the power play without a center. <laughs> you put four wingers out on the ice. Like, come on, like, this is the guy who has Michael Cloud take every draw on the planet who's more concerned about winning faceoffs than any other coach in the league. And then you put you're, – you're down by three goals in the third period and you put four forwards out on the ice and not one of them plays center. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have Eric Hall. You have Eric Hall and Mike McLeod sitting on the bench. It's like a in, – in lacrosse, it's like a face-off, get-off guy. Just have them go out there, take the face-off and win, and get off the ice if you don't want him on there. There's no need to make Timo Meyer take the face-off, who's probably taken five in his entire career. 
Oh my god. Oh my lord. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know what? You know what pisses me off too. It's uh, it's when I go to the bathroom at these games, and it'll be like the intermission. This goes for anything. This goes for concerts. This goes for Giants games. This goes for hockey games. The guy, the guy who there's a huge line that goes all the way out of the bathroom, and then there's a guy that stands right at the we'll call it a urinal bank, okay? And he'll stand right in like the doorway to where you can't see or get around him or anything, and he waits for one urinal to open up, and everyone <laughs> has to wait behind him when there's like. 50 people pissing, and it's like if one person comes out, he goes and gets that one. But if more than one person comes out, no one behind him can see. It's like, can we can we move down, commit to standing behind one person in line at the urinal? Because this guy could be waiting for the crapper too, and, and we could end up waiting for the entire time. There could be urinals wide open. Let's move down, people. Get out of the – we're, we're we're lined up in the hallway of the concession area. People are trying to buy their stuff. Let's get into the bathroom, stand behind one person, stand behind two people, and commit to that line and wait to go to the bathroom there rather than waiting in one long single line where the, the, the head of the snake is, is controlling the entire piss flow for everybody. <laughs> Some and, then you, and then you get mad. And then you get mad when people come in the are walking in the exit side, but there's urinals open for them, and they're just going right in. So it's like you can't have it both ways. It's like if you're gonna if you're gonna criticize the people that walk in the exit line of the bathroom to go to the bathroom, then you have to have the balls to tell the guy at the front of the enter line, dude, you got to move down. There's empty urinals down there. Go down there. You can't just we can't just stand around. Like you know what I mean? It's like. Yeah. Christ, Christ as long, as, cross. Long, as um, long as you weren't eating a, eating a chicken finger in line, we're good. Right, which is then I'd be waiting to throw up in the in the. <laughs> I'd be waiting for a Heimlich maneuver or to throw up, and that's what I'm saying. If I'm waiting to choke up a chicken finger, and I'm waiting to get into a stall, all the people waiting to take a leak behind me shouldn't have to wait for me for a stall do. <laughs> so, <laughs> um. I'm going into the city tonight. I'm going to be at the Garden. I'm going to the UFC fight tonight, which that's nice. not really my thing. Um, I'm not a I'm not a big UFC guy, but I got free tickets, and uh, I'm going to head in. I'm going to head into the Garden and uh, meet up with some colleagues and a buddy of mine and stuff. Um, I was thinking about wearing my Devil's gear, but I don't. I usually always do, but I just feel like things are not where we need them to be right now. Let's keep this in house. Let's not yeah, deal yeah. with any outside. I mean, Ranger fans are feeling pretty good about themselves right about now. And I tell you what, we got we got seven days to get our shit together before the Rangers come to Newark. And it's like, I'm not about to have all these douchebags. You know, they come and they, they, they parade around like they're the New York Yankees. Like they've won 27 Stanley Cups. You know what I mean? It's like they come in, they're very entitled, they're very loud, they're very obnoxious. The Devils need to get their shit together. Or they're gonna have. They're gonna get blown out. And you're like, yeah, you know, what? I, I tell you I, what, it's, it's one thing to lose some games. It's one thing to lose a game to Washington at home, coming off of a road trip. It's another thing to where if they go on the road and they they have Winnipeg coming up, and um, 
So when they play what? They play Winnipeg Tuesday, and then they play the Penguins on Thursday. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, if you guys don't get your shit together, like, the Bluebirds are going to come out on Saturday if the team continues to look this way. Yeah. 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 I do think that there's – I honestly think there might be a chance Hughes is back before the Ranger game. I'm I'm hoping. You think so? I do. It, it seems to me from the people that um, the reporters I've read that he, you know, he's very anxious to get back. Um, I don't think he's going to be out quite as long as everybody thinks. He sure, on the other hand, concussions are, if that's in fact what he has, which I do believe that's probably what he has. That's a different story. Right. Every Everybody recovers from those at a different pace. But I, 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 I think he, I think Hughes might be back before the Ranger game. I hope so. I mean, as long as it's not anything detrimental to where it could hurt him long term, I would I would obviously like to see him back. He he plays so good versus the Rangers, um, and this and this team needs a spark at some point. Yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see what they do at like their personnel. Like to me, to me, it sounds weird, but there's a lot of eyes on Lindy Ruff right now. Whether or not he's that's I'm not debating that he's uh, could potentially lose his job or anything like that. I'm just saying. There's a lot of people wondering what the hell this guy is doing with his roster right now, and I'm curious to see um, what he what he actually does because if he continues to roll out, if it's it, it's just oh, I don't know if he has to make an he has to make an adjustment. You know what I mean? Like he has to shake things up. I want to see what he does with the goaltending. Um, there's a lot. There's a it's lot Gerald going on Kent. in the Devils' world right now. Fitzgerald can't be looking at this very happy right now. I don't care if Hughes and uh, he sure are out. Um, you know, our, our again, our five on five play was not good when Hughes and he sure were, were in the lineup. Um, and especially the way we're playing now, I said it last night, I'm on a um, kind of a devil's um, group chat. That's been around since 2013, this uh, 10 of us or so. Last night and he, uh, even parts of the Colorado game and, and actually sections of many games this year look like John McClain coached hockey. You remember that? Totally. Remember when John McClain yep. took over? We had Parisi, Kovalchuk, Eliash, uh, Ziblicki. We had, we had a great roster. Brodeur still, uh, you know, at the end of his prime, but still in his prime. I thought we were going to win the cup that year. And we go out, we couldn't have looked any worse th- th- than we looked that year. It was, it was like John McClain just threw him on the ice and said, Go play some pond hockey. That's what we've looked like at certain sections of certain games this year. I know. And everybody's like, you know, you guys are overreacting and everything. No. It's like, no, we're not overreacting. The amount of skill and talent on the roster, we should not be playing this bad. And it's like, Correct. all right, you're going to lose two of your most skilled players. Well, then you have to put your other, you have to put your other skilled players in the right spots. And if you don't do that, now you're getting nothing out of anybody, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it, it doesn't just affect it doesn't it, this doesn't just affect Alex Holtz. This affects the people that would be playing with Alex Holtz as well. You know what I mean? Like this mm-hmm. affects Andre Pilat, who, who has gotten off to an awful start and could potentially have more favorable matchups playing on the third line in a simpler role and to try to get his game back on. You know what I mean? Like this affects everybody. This is like shit runs downhill. Yep. And if you if you take care of, if you take care of things at the top, 
it puts everybody in the right spot moving downhill. And I just hope I hope that uh, if Ruff is completely unwilling, which I hope he's not, but if he's completely unwilling to to make the correct moves with the roster, that people in upper management lean on him a little bit. Fitzgerald yeah, has to say something at this time. point. You have to. You have to. But we'll wait and see. Um, that's all I got, man. You got anything yeah. else from? No, no. It was um, it was fun doing this, man. I, I uh, I've listened to pretty much every episode you've done since since the beginning, and I remember sitting in my garage one day, and I was like, dude, this this is like having a beer with one of my buddies and bullshitting about. The devils. I was like, you know what? Let me D- let me DM this guy and tell him what I think, and that's how it all started. Oh man, oh dude, and Jared, seriously, like your your messages are literally spot on in in just the way that I view the team, and everybody views the team differently. I'm not a professional. It's like I actually had somebody this week criticize criticize the podcast, and they were like, "You guys are the worst and have the worst takes" or something like that. And I was at work, and I was having a bad day, and I, I responded, and I made fun of him, and uh, and I made fun of his. He was wearing a Hello Kitty hat, and I made fun of his Hello Kitty hat, and I said, I said, you know what's a bad take? A grown man wearing a Hello Kitty hat. That's a bad take. And then he started DMing me and asking for an apology, and it was a personal attack. And then he said, you know how unprofessional that is. And I said, dude, I'm not a professional. I'm doing this for free. <laughs> what are you talking about? This is, there's nothing professional about this. You've obviously never listened to this before. Yeah. It's like half of, the, half, of the, half of the chat is about me and my dad yelling at one another, me choking <laughs> on my food, us drunk somewhere. There's nothing professional about this. So don't expect too much from me. You know what I mean? But I tell you what, all your, all your takes are so spot on. And I really enjoyed meeting up uh, last year uh, during the playoffs you're more than welcome on whenever you want. Um, you got any games lined up or what? You know, I don't. Most of the games I go to, um, I refer a lot of business to to somebody. He he has seats four rows back in the corner in section one, I think. So those are most of the times I go. Um, where where do you live at? What's that? Where, where are you from? Where do you live at? Uh, Burnersville. It's like it's like uh, ten minutes south of Morristown, fifteen minutes south of Morristown. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Sometimes the devils like throw me tickets and stuff. I don't know if you could ever make it, but I'll definitely hit you up and uh, yeah. see if you're interested. Um, <laughs> it would be nice to catch a to, to catch a game together. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Cool. Well, I appreciate you hopping on and giving me your time, especially in the middle of a beautiful Saturday afternoon. Um, Hopefully the next time that we do this, you'll, we'll have some more positive news and uh, stuff like that to talk about. But it was great having you on for the first time. And uh, make sure you check out Publius on um, on Twitter. Uh, so, yeah, I hope everybody who's been listening has a great uh, rest of the weekend. And uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll have some funny stories from the UFC fight tonight in MSG. <laughs> Um, but you've been listening to the Trap Podcast. Please subscribe and share and like and do all that good stuff. My name is Bill Botch, and we will talk to you soon. Peace. First thing I remember, I was lying in my bed.
And I remember there was a radio coming from the room next door. And my mother laughed the way some ladies do. When it's late in the evening and the music seeping through. The next thing I remember, I'm walking down the street. I'm feeling all right. I'm with my boys and with my troops, yeah. I've been in love before, once or twice I've been on the floor, but I 